Great. Thank you, Mark, and good morning, everybody. So it's my pleasure to be here this morning to continue our, uh, our Sunday school teaching on the joyful generosity theme. Um, the lessons so far to me have been personally encouraging, and, and I hope you found them encouraging as well. Um, just as we look at, uh, at the, the, uh, the whole of, of biblical teaching on financial stewardship and stewardship over the resources that the Lord has blessed us with, um, I pray that today we'll, we'll further that, uh, that same understanding. So, like the other lessons that have taught from this series, um, I'm largely taking um, my points from this book called The Biblical Theology of Material Possessions by Gene Getz. So, if, if you like some of the points that you've heard, that might be a book that you'd be interested in, in picking up and reading more on. It's a, it's a fairly thorough, uh, uh, thorough book. Um, so, as Mark mentioned, we're going to spend about half our time this morning uh, with me presenting some information, and we've got some, uh, some questions outlined for small groups, and we'll be doing some praying for the Joyful Generosity campaign. And the list of, of questions is in the back. I believe Tim Powell has it. If anyone doesn't have a copy of that and you're leading a small group, please go ahead and, and, uh, and get one of those. So today we're going to be talking about supporting Christian leaders. Uh, that is the topic for this morning. And there's going to be three main aspects that we're covering uh, in that regard. So the, the first being motivation. What is our motivation for supporting Christian leaders? The second, what are, our, what are some of the guidelines that we see in Scripture for supporting Christian leaders? And then third, what are some of the guidelines for Christian leaders themselves? So those are the, the three topics that we're going to be exploring or the three areas. And we're going to have a few principles that are applicable to each one of those. So as we talk about our motivation for supporting Christian leaders, of course we do this out of obedience, right? The Lord has commanded in Scripture that we support our, our leaders, we support our, our church body and those that are in a position to, uh, to teach us the Word of God. So there is a, a obedience, an act of obedience where we give out of obedience, and of course we're expected to do that, and that's a great thing. Um, but beyond that, what are some of the specific principles uh, that would also apply in our motivation to, uh, to give or motivation for supporting Christian leaders? Say so one of these is to receive blessings. So scripture says that God honors Christians in a special way when they meet the material needs of those that truly serve God. Um, teaching on this really is prevalent in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, in the Old Testament, we saw the tithe that was being collected in the first tithe in Israel. The first portion of the tithe was used to care for the physical needs of the Levites who ministered in the tabernacle and provided blessings back to the people. Um, in the New Testament, Paul and others really wrote extensively um, about the need to support spiritual leaders in material ways. And so in Matthew chapter 10, verse 24, we see an example of this where it's written... <clears throat> And if anyone, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. So this example in Matthew is given by Christ. As Christ is sending out his apostles to go do his ministry work, he's sending them out to drive out evil spirits and to heal. And when he sends them out, Jesus specifically instructs them to take no money to take no second tunic right, or, or coat, um, sends them out with no supplies. 
And Christ says that those who give them the cup, right, these are the people that are ministering to the needs of the, of the disciples or the apostles that are out um, doing the work of, of the Lord, um, that those, he, those that, uh, that gives them even a cup of cold water, that he will certainly not lose his reward. So they're receiving, they're, they're providing a, a physical ministry or blessing to those that are ministering to them uh, spiritually. And this act of obedience is giving a, a blessing back to the person that's giving. Um, so we see this, we see, we see this, uh, this element of a blessing to those who, who give, even if all they can give is a cup of water. So I think it's, it's interesting that Christ says it's, a, it's even a cup of water. It's, it's the m- most minor, maybe, of, of gifts that can be given, um, but meeting a physical, tangible need of the apostles as they're doing their ministry work. And, uh, and again, they will receive a blessing and certainly will not lose his reward. So we can give, one of our motivations can be to receive blessings. Um, so we give out of obedience, out of our love for the Lord. We give out of, uh, out of uh, the potential for blessing or future blessings. We also give out of the desire to avoid embarrassment and to encourage others. So that may seem like a, a weird motivation to give. Um, but in second, in second Corinthians chapter nine, uh, Paul writes that I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not be proven hollow, but that you may already be ready, as I have said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. So he, in this case, we have the. The, uh, the church in Corinth has provided a financial uh, t- um, commitment, right, to Paul's ministry. And Paul's boasted about this. He's, he's used this as an example in Macedonia. And now he's saying, hey, if you're not ready, uh, it's going to be an embarrassment to me and an embarrassment to you um, by not being prepared and having, having, this, uh, uh, having fulfilled what you've committed to doing. So, so we can be motivated in giving... To, uh, to not just make a pledge, but to fulfill it, to avoid embarrassment on ourselves and embarrassment on our leaders. But that's also an encouragement to those that are around us. So you can see the Macedonians were encouraged um, by the acts of giving that the Corinthians were, were doing. This obviously doesn't speak to the situation where someone maybe doesn't have the ability to fulfill a pledge or a, a commitment that they've made, but really this is... Uh, this is a situation where they're just simply acting out of their own neglect or poor financial planning and, and unable to or, or didn't fulfill that, that uh, commitment that they had made. So another principle behind our, our motivations for giving would be to bring joy and blessings to others. So Christians who faithfully support God's servants in material ways create unusual joy, right? We can be a blessing. We can create joy in the hearts of those that are receiving what we're giving. Uh, Philippians 1, verses 3 through 5 reads, I thank my God every time that I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So we can see Paul expressing a thanksgiving having his, his physical needs being faithfully met by fellow Christians. And I think we can all relate to that. When we have a need, 
that is met, and even God meets that need through somebody, and, and we have a physical need that is then fulfilled, like there's joy in that, that we can see the blessing in, in Lord, the Lord being faithful in our lives, and, and that's an encouragement and a joy. Along those same lines, <clears throat> in using that same verse, um, we find joy in the prayer lives of others. So one of our motivations is not just bring, being a joy to somebody, but we can bolster their prayer life because they're witnessing that their prayers are being met. And as, as Paul had, had written here, he said, I always pray with joy because of the partnership in the gospel from, of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul's prayer life was enriched through this material need being met. So he had personal joy. Uh, he also had a, a prayer life that was continuing to grow and be bolstered every time he received that financial support. So those are just a few motivations that we can look to. Um, a motivation of, of obviously out of obedience, but a motivation in, in uh, supporting Christian leaders, in receiving blessings ourselves, in avoiding embarrassment and encouraging others but also bearing joy to those around us and bolstering the spiritual and prayer life of those that are receiving those gifts as well. So let's look at a few of the, the guidelines for supporting Christian leaders. Like, what, is the, what does the Bible tell us about supporting Christian leaders? It says a lot. I've got a few principles here that I think are applicable. Um, so the first principle is we want to base our guidelines for supporting Christian leaders on the whole of Scripture. So we certainly don't want to take a portion of Scripture, and I think this is not a shock to anyone. This is consistent with how, uh, how the, the Bible is taught and principles are taught here at Grace Bible Church, is we wouldn't take one verse of Scripture and build our theology off of it. The same is true for our, our guidelines for supporting Christian leaders. We wouldn't take, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we wouldn't take the verse in Matthew 10 where I talked about the the apostles going out without without any resources as our sole guideline for uh, supporting Christian leaders. Nor would we take the example in, in Luke chapter 10 where there are 72 that are, are sent out to do the ministry work, also taking nothing along with them. But we have to base it on the whole of Scripture. And I think that's why I've been encouraged through the, the time and the effort that's gone into the Joyful Generosity campaign to date is because we've got to see a bunch of different aspects and different uh, scripture references that speak to the different different pieces of this. So we're not building it off of, of uh, you know, a one-hour sermon or, or one specific verse, but really looking at all aspects of how to have a biblical understanding of, of stewardship and resources and what is required there. Um, so, and that's... that's uh, so we want to build it on a build our understanding on on the whole of Scripture. Um, secondly, there is a clear and consistent um, directive to support the local pastor, the local church. So the local church leaders, whose primary ministry is teaching the Word of God, should be given priority consideration in receiving financial support. Um, there are several scripture references in here, so this this would follow along with our our guideline on uh, on using the totality of scripture. Um, Galatians six six says, "Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor." Right. So the notion that you're receiving something, you're receiving teaching, 
um, from from someone that's spending the time and in, in their time and effort and resources in proclaiming the word of God, uh, you are to give give something back. He says, share all good things. And this, I don't think this is a new concept here as well. Um, we, I believe, we talked about this uh, last Sunday. Um, so it it should be pretty consistent. There's certainly a calling to support those those men that are putting the time and effort uh, into teaching the word of God. Um, so. And Paul, I, I, would, I would add that Paul wasn't concerned for his own well-being here when he made this statement to the Galatians. Paul, um, in fact, there's, there's plenty of scripture references where Paul is, is making his own living and then somewhere he is, is being supported by others. But in this case, I think Paul's really referring to uh, those elders and pastors that were put into place during his first missionary trip. So those that he had instituted in churches um, building those churches, and, and they were left to teach and preach the word of God and making sure that, the, that there was an understanding amongst those churches that they needed to support those people, those men that, that had been, um, been put in those positions. So it wasn't out of a selfish uh, standpoint that that, that, that uh, reference was made. So teaching the word takes a great deal of time and effort, and we want those men to be financially able to do that well, Paul goes beyond the other scriptures by calling for the sharing of all good things, not just money. But the principle here is called, for the, is, is called to care for the material needs of our local spiritual teachers. So it's very clear that it's local spiritual teachers, the way Paul has framed that sentence. So a third principle here in Guidelines for Supporting Christian Leaders is that pastors and elders are due double honor. So we see that in 1 Timothy 5.17, that pastors and teachers um, who are hardworking and efficient and productive in the ministry should be rewarded financially. Um, Timothy 5.17, 1 Timothy 5.17, says that the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. And, uh, and this, this role of uh, this word of double honor does refer to, to financial remuneration um, or support. So this is financial support that's needed for those, those people that are serving um, and putting in that work in order to live and continue to do that work. Paul continues and he further expounds on that same idea in 2 Timothy when he says the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive the share of the crops. So this may be a, a controversial notion in, in some churches um, as far as, as how what's double honor mean? How does someone, how does that get established? Does it mean financial or not? And, I, and I, from the words in Scripture, I think it's clear that it, it does. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean literally, hey, he should make twice as much as the next guy that's in the pew. It's, it's, it's not uh, it, just because it says double honor, it doesn't mean two times necessarily. And so there does need to be uh, definitely wisdom and discernment in how to interpret that. Um, but it does literally mean that they should be cared for and those financial needs should be met. Um, a fourth principle here in guidelines for supporting Christian leaders is to watch out for false teachers. So as we looked at three things of kind of what we're supposed to do, let's look at a couple that we're not supposed to do. So we need to be on guard for false teachers. So these, these would be... Um, Christians should be on guard for people that are motivated by selfishness or greed or to exploit uh, with fabricated stories. And Second Peter talks about this. It says, In their greed, these false teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable 
um, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. It goes on to say in verse 14, these men are blemishes of your love feasts, eating without, uh, eating without you, without the slightest quorum, shepherds who feed only on themselves. And that's from Jude 12. So it's, it's these notion that there are people out there that want your money and that um, they will say good things. They'll say things that appeal to you, that tug on your heartstrings, that may sound good. They may sound Christian. They may sound like good uh, organizations, but, but really their effort and their motivation is, is to, uh, to get you to financially contribute to them. And so we know that we need to be very cautious in dealing with that. We see in today's world the uh, emails that come through and the letters and the campaigns that come out um, that, uh, that are basically the same thing that we read in Scripture that, that Paul is, is referring to, or Peter's referring to. So we must be diligent in fully understanding the needs of those before financially supporting them. And it must be in proper context of biblical stewardship, right? We shouldn't rush in and and support and put our resources towards something uh, that that might not be be a good choice um, or or a worthy choice that is a, a false teacher. And I would say there is a cost here because if you're putting your resources towards something that is illegitimate, uh, you're missing out on an opportunity to support something, support something that's legitimate. Um, you could have legitimate needs here within your church body that you know are, are needs. You, 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 should, you could have needs of financially supporting uh, the ministry work here that, that your resources um, are going somewhere else uh, for a purpose you may not be aware of. So be careful. And, and the second don't here is don't support heretics. That's my, uh, my short my summaration of, of this, but it really is... Uh, don't support religious teachers who claim to be Christians, but that do, who deny Jesus Christ came in the flesh as God who came in the flesh. Right? So, and I would go on to say anyone who's not going to believe and proclaim the gospel. I mean, those are not people we should be supporting. Second um, John 10.11 says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring, bring this teaching that Christ came, that Christ has come in the flesh, do not take him in your house or welcome him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. I think it's it's the counter argument to hey, we're supposed to be hospitable and loving and open our homes and welcome everybody in. And while that's true, we're also called um, not to not to be unequally yoked, not to line ourselves up with with people that that don't believe what. Uh, believe the truth about who Christ is and what he came to do, and definitely not provide um, economic assistance for what they're doing. Um, So we do open our homes. Those are wonderful opportunities in order to proclaim the gospel and even talk about Christ with maybe unbelievers. Um, But when you have someone that is is a a heretic and you're not having a a discussion about the gospel, um, we really aren't not supposed to go in and associate with people like that and to give them or their organizations our, our financial resources. Um, I think that's, that's pretty clear. So that's some, some guidelines for supporting Christian leaders, some do's and don'ts. Um, I do have a couple points I'd like to offer on, uh, on guidelines for Christian leaders. So these are the people that, that we're supporting, right, that we're called to support. What, what does Scripture say, say to them? 
And, and some of these may sound familiar. I think they echo a lot of the themes that we've talked about so far uh, in the Joyful Generosity campaign, campaign. And the first is that leaders should look to fellow Christians for their financial support and not unbelievers. We've heard that, right? We've talked about that. Hey, what about going out and fundraising outside uh, the church body and looking for, for uh, resources from outside. And while that's, that's true, the Lord may provide uh, resources through, through means that we're not aware of and it may come from outside, uh, that's, not, that's not where we go um, to, uh, to search for, that, search for that, um, those resources in order to support the ministry, especially with people that we're trying to proclaim the gospel to. So in 1 Thessalonians uh, 2 through 9, Paul says, Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. So obviously there's, uh, it's, Paul is not shy about proclaiming the need for financial support for the church. He's not avoiding the topic, and he's not saying, hey, we don't need resources. He said the opposite and we've read several of those passages, what he's saying here is while he's trying to preach the gospel, he's not going to be out trying to raise money from the people he's trying to deliver the gospel to. It obviously can shed some negative light on the message he's trying to bring and, uh, and his purposes for doing so. So he's exercising caution in those ways. And in here, you can see that they're working, uh, working with toil, hardship, night and day in order to not be a financial burden on those he's proclaiming the gospel to. Now, eventually, this church in Thessalonica would go on to be one of the bigger financial contributors. So it's not that, that they had some different role, that that wasn't a requirement of them. In fact, it, it was. And what Paul taught here is that, <clears throat> is that first, we should look to believers for financial support. Um, but second, that, uh, that Christians need to be taught that responsibility um, as part of, of their discipleship, uh, and then um, and they should look primarily to people that they are personally spiritually spiritually ministering to in order to uh, to find that financial support. So keeping it keeping it as a part. If you think of a, a Christian, someone being proclaimed the gospel to, um, becoming a believer, understanding the need and the call for for financially participating in the ministry, and then becoming one of those participants. It's a it's a process that takes place there, and that may go really fast. It may be on someone's heart to go to go really fast. It may be slower, but but there does there is a progression there. A second principle and guidelines for Christian leaders here is that, is that the, um, even though God has instructed that spiritual leaders be cared for financially by those they minister to, there are times when, it, in part of wisdom, that the spiritual leader may give up that right. Um, we see Paul do this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel, I should receive Excuse me. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel, but I have not used any of these rights. Um, he's taken an opportunity in this case to not exercise that right out of in his wisdom and discernment. Um, and, and this was done in the context of, uh, of Paul's teaching to the Corinthians about giving up certain things. They were giving up meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And in this case, Paul was giving up uh, his 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 right, in this sense, to uh, to financial support from the ministry for a period of time. It's not looking. It's not saying, "Hey, this is a more righteous path." Or if you're if you're not giving up this right, then then you know 
there's something there's something wrong. Uh, Paul clearly recognizes uh, that there is this right. The first part of his statement says this obligation does exist, um, that the spiritual leaders would be cared for financially. And then he goes on to say that that, that, that right could be waived. Um, and it also, I would say, it shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be abused, right, or something that, uh, that a church body or, or someone supporting the ministry would go, oh, well, you have the right to, uh, to not have financial support because Paul's clearly not teaching that. So it was, it was done for a specific purpose. <clears throat> a third principle here that um, regarding guidelines for Christian leaders is that Christian leaders should not hesitate to ask for help um, when there is a need both from others and from themselves. So Paul, Paul does a great example of sharing this in, in the book of Philemon, where he, he writes uh, that, I'm, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Uh, refresh my heart in Christ's confidence of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, prepare a guest room for me, for I hope to be restored to you soon in answer to your prayers. So Paul was writing that, uh, that there is a need, this need exists, and, and I need you to do something for me physically, tangibly, materially. Um, and we need, to, uh, we need to make sure that those needs are communicated. So a lot of times, uh, whether it's, it's a, a leader in this case or someone that they're aware of, if those needs aren't communicated, um, then there's no way for others to step in and, uh, and meet those needs. So today, there really are two problems that we see suffering in this area. The first is um, that people asking for now, the people asking for help, <clears throat> they're asking for help from people they haven't been ministered to and from whom they have no personal relationship. So someone who is quick to say, hey, there's a need, um, they're approaching everybody and, and without any discernment in who they're approaching and why they're approaching them. So uh, as we've been talking about uh, this need from asking within the body, within and the obligation to meet needs within the body and within your family. Um, and so to, to use discernment in how and where those needs are communicated and not just, just over-communicate them, which is easy to do with email and texts and lists and all those kinds of things. Um, but then the opposite is there are people that are so timid that they don't ask for any help. So they're afraid or they're shy or they don't feel like it's necessary or they don't want to be a burden on others, so they don't want to come out and ask for help. And that's really depriving those people that may be in a position to help. I mean, we talked about the blessings that can come from, from helping others, and, uh, and you can see if, if that need is not being communicated out, then you're really depriving those uh, from having those blessings. And fourth, uh, fourth principle here is that Christian leaders who make their living in the ministry should, ser- uh, should serve Jesus Christ with a view that they are storing up treasures in heaven for those who support them financially. So again, for guidelines for Christian leaders, this is recognition that the people um, that are financially supporting the church and supporting the, the leadership um, are storing up themselves uh, treasures in heaven as well. Um, let's see, Philippians 4, verses uh, 14 through 17, Paul says, For even uh, when I was in Thessalonica, you sent, me, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need, not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your accounts. So 
He's, Paul is counting, counting those, those gifts, that aid that was sent over and over again, really beyond his need, and, and saying, hey, I'm not asking for more. I want to make sure that I understand who's, who's been given and, uh, and whose accounts those are credited to. So Paul's recognizing that the, supporting Christian lead, that the people supporting Christian leaders are accumulating special rewards in heaven based on the fruit of that result. And finally, there's a call to be on guard against selfishness. So um, for, Christian, for Christian leaders, uh, there, there can be a selfishness that occurs within a ministry, and we see that described in 3 John, um, where John publicly exposed Diotrephus, I hope I said that correctly, um, as a church leader who refused to welcome John and, the other, and his other uh, church leaders. And so Diotrephus' actions, they were really based on a selfishness uh, that was occurring uh, within his own heart and refusing, uh, refusing John and the others uh, welcome into the body. And, and he was admonished by John um, for doing that. And that can happen today in the church today when you have a leader that is really self-oriented and refuses to help other Christian leaders. So, so those are some things, some principles to be on guard for, uh, or guidelines for Christian leaders. So we've covered some some motivating, um, some motivational purposes for supporting Christian leaders. Some of the biblical guidelines that we see outlined in Scripture for supporting Christian leaders, and then a few of the um, principles with regards to uh, to Christian leaders themselves. So at this time, uh, I think we're going to go ahead and break up into small groups. We do have a list of questions um, to work through in your small groups, and then we'll end with some prayer time for the campaign. Thank you.